Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you for an incredible night of worship already. Lord, I thank you, God, that we were worshiping in the practice, and we got the worship in the worship set, God. And I think that we get to continue tonight worshiping you through your word, through your scripture. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in this place, God. We just celebrate you. We thank you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in-house. If you're online watching, you can be seated as well. And I'm going to grab something to drink real quick because, goodness gracious, that song, though. Praise him. Well, man, we are starting a new short message series uh, today or tonight, and it's a message series called The Christmas List. Uh, it's Christmas time of the year, right? It's December, it's Christmas time, and so we definitely uh, need to talk about Christmas, maybe our Christmas list. Uh, it's December, and Christmas music is playing everywhere you go. Have you noticed that? Did you notice that they actually were starting to play Christmas music before Thanksgiving even came? Did y'all catch that? There were some stores we would go into right after Halloween. They skipped Thanksgiving and went straight to Christmas. How many of y'all, there are people trying to get out of 2020, right? Going all the way to Christmas right away. So there's Christmas music playing in every store that you're going into. It's getting colder outside. And even though it looks different this year, one thing doesn't change. And that is this, that we all have a Christmas list. Would you agree, church, that we all have some Christmas list that we have, right? It's either written down or it's a a mental one, but we have a Christmas list. You know, my mom's watching right now online, and I can remember growing up in our house, man, she always made Christmas an incredibly special time of the year. I mean, our house was always decorated. Uh, the tree went up the day after Thanksgiving, sometimes the day of Thanksgiving, right? We, it, the tree went up. We would do all sorts of decorations, and then she would start wrapping gifts and putting gifts under the tree, I mean, like literally right after Thanksgiving, Man, she, she spurred inside of us, she birthed inside of us a joy for Christmas. And I can tell you, as a kid, there was nothing more that I loved to do than putting together my Christmas list. There were commercials nonstop on TV. You couldn't avoid it. Commercials everywhere. There was this great toy store called Toys R Us. Y'all remember Toys R Us? Rest in peace, Toys R Us. There was a great toy store called Toys R Us that we would go into And there were these toy catalogs that our family used to get. Did your family used to get toy catalogs? They're really thick ones. You know, they came from either Sears or they came from JCPenney or they came from Finger Hut. It all depends on where your credit was at, right? And so, you know, you always had these these books that you would go through as a kid. And my sister and I, we would take these books and we would look through them and then we would circle the things that we wanted and we would formulate our Christmas list. My kids, church, my kids have not skipped a beat. My kids, it's almost like they're born with a second nature of knowing how to put together a Christmas list. They haven't even skipped a beat. There is no shortage of things that they have added to their own Christmas list. But see, this list represents hope for what is to come. 
you write something down on a list, and it's representative of the hope that's to come. I would have this list that I would give to my mom, and she would begin to buy presents, and she would wrap the presents. And then I spent all this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas hoping and wishing and thinking about what is inside each of those boxes. The list represented the hope that was to come. And we would dream about what life would be like if we actually had gotten our possessions. How many of you know sometimes you have a grand idea of what your possession looked like, what your gift looked like, right? And so for some of us, go ahead and show that, that, first, script, that first slide real quick uh, of the, the, the railing right there. Some of y'all, can y'all see that beautiful horse railing? Isn't that a gorgeous piece of artwork right there? If you can see that, it's just beautiful, very, very upscale. For most of us, that's kind of how our gifts were, wasn't it? Like we had in, in our mind, that's how we wanted our gifts to be. And so we would put them on our gift, our, our, our Christmas list. And if we, were, if we were blessed and we were lucky, that's what they looked like. But sometimes, sometimes, go ahead, the next one. Sometimes it ended up looking more like that. Can y'all see that? The horse strapped up against the, the railing, right? That, sometimes that's how Christmas went. There's a difference between what we wanted and, and what we got. Some of us, we had grand, a grand idea of what 2020 was going to look like. It's 2020. I mean, it's the year of science fiction, isn't it? I mean, when you think about 2020, we're supposed to have floating cars and hoverboards and all sorts of other things. We anticipated 2020 to be something incredible. And it looked, our 2020 looked a lot like that beautiful sculpted horse. And then 2020 came and COVID, and it ends up looking like that plastic horse taped up to the railing. What we wanted versus what we got. I posted on Facebook a couple of days ago. I asked people, I said, hey, Facebook, I, I need your help. I, I need to know what are the top five things that you guys, if you could write a letter to Santa right now, what are the top five things that you would ask Santa for right now? And, and here's the list of things. There was no shortage. Y'all listen, even as adults, we have no shortage of things we want to ask Santa for. Amen, somebody. Come on, church. Right? And so here's some of the, the things that people put down. Someone said human interaction. I'd ask Santa for some human interaction. Right? Another person, actually several people said a maid. Dear Jesus, a maid. Right? Uh, another person said I would ask him for a new transmission. Another person said I need a bigger house. Right? Another person said the end of COVID. Amen. Yet another person said a big sack of money. Come on, Jesus. Another person said, I'd just like to have a house. I'm not even worried about how big it is. I just want a house. Another person said, an Instapot. <laughs> One mom said, my kids back in school. Another person said, a hug from their father. Another one said, to have their mom back. To have my school loans paid off. To have health insurance. Or even to have a healthy marriage. You know, those, I would say, are not really bad things to want to put on your Christmas list. Would you agree, church? Come on now. Let's not be all super hyper-spiritual. Everybody in here knows. Everybody watching online, the big bag of money is a good thing. Amen. We want it on our list. But our list, listen, the list that we write, the list that we have, is always a combination of what we need. Listen. It's always a combination of what we need. And what we want. Did you see the key word there? Our Christmas list is always a combination of what 
we need and what we want. And, and that key word there is we, because sometimes I think we have a hard time deciphering what is an actual need and, and what is a want. My kids remind me all the time, they need everything. Daddy, I need this. I need this toy, or I need this thing. And we have to remind them, no, you don't need that. You what, church? You want that. And then when mommy turns her head, daddy gets them what they need. Right? <laughs> so how many times, though, have we put our stock in, in a thing? Listen to me, church. How many times have we put our stock in a thing being the thing that will change our lives. Come on. How many times have we taken and put our stock in uh, a thing being the thing, right? To change our lives, and then what we realize is it doesn't. It doesn't change our lives the way we think it should or the way we hoped it would. And, and why is that? Why? Because what we're looking at what we're asking for, the thing that we think we need, is only addressing a fruit issue and not a root issue. I got lots of rhyming words today, church. I do. Lots of one-liners. Take notes. You know, the reason why those things we put on our Christmas list don't really fulfill us, they don't satisfy, satisfy us, is because we spend time addressing things that deal with fruits instead of addressing things that deal with roots. Let me give you an example. We say on our Christmas list, a big sack of money. We need lots of money. You see, lots of money only addresses the fruit issue. It doesn't address the root issue. I have yet to meet anybody, including myself, that has put on my Christmas list Someone who is, listen, instead of saying a big sack of money, they would say, um, can, Santa, I, well, here's what I need. I need someone who is fiscally responsible, who can teach me how to budget my money, get me out of debt, save and invest for the future. No one says that. They say I need a big sack of money because a big sack of money deals with the fruit. But you know, a, a fiscally responsible person who can teach me how to budget my money, get me out of debt and save and invest in the future deals with the what, church? The root the root and listen humanity from the beginning humanity from the beginning has has made lists like these and we've searched for temporal things that will bring lasting change and so often it doesn't quite look like the way we thought part of writing our christmas list and seeing it fulfilled is time it's the in-between. It's the in-between, and it's the in-between that is almost as important, I would think, as the fulfillment. A longing. You know, I said my mom, she, she wrapped presents like Thanksgiving night, and she would put them under the tree, and it created a longing to get into those presents. There wasn't a single day that went by where I didn't long to figure out what was in the presence. And my mom, she was a genius at wrapping because she would get these big boxes and she would wrap them. And we would think the bigger the box, the better the gift, right? And then we would start waging war on each other. See, I am mom's favorite because my box is bigger than your box, only to get to Christmas Day and unwrap that box to find out that inside that box there's another box. And inside that box there was another box. And inside that box there was canned goods that were from our pantry. And inside that box... There's this little teeny gift 
But it created this longing, this anticipation, this anticipation. You know, the church, the church universal is actually celebrating that very thing right now as we speak. There is a longing that began on Sunday, November 29th, and will last all the way up until Christmas Eve. And do you know what that longing is officially called? It's called Advent. Advent. It's a longing. The Advent season is a longing to, to an anticipation of the birth of, of Christ. We, we, my kids know Advent because it's the time they get calendars, and inside the calendars are pieces of chocolate that count down until the day of Christ's birth, the anticipation of the Messiah. It's a time of reflection, and it's a time to remind ourselves of the why behind Christmas. If you would, go over to Proverbs chapter 13. If you're a note taker, you might want to jot it down because I'm, I'm moving pretty quickly. But Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, and it says this. It says, hope deferred <clears throat> makes a heart sick. Hear me, church. Hope deferred makes a, makes a heart sick. It said, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Advent is the anticipation of the fulfillment of our longing. Do you see it, church? Advent is the fulfillment of the anticipation of the longing. If, 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 I, if it were Easter time right now, I'd preach about how Christ was hung on a tree, on, on a tree that was the cross, and turned that tool that was meant for death into a tree that proclaims life. I talk about how the cross is a tree of life. I talk about how God took not the knowledge of good and evil and placed the fruit back up on the tree, right, and gave us the fruit of life, which is salvation. But this is not Easter. It's Christmas. So let's keep going. The beauty of the Christmas story is found in the birth of a promise, and that promise is Christ's. And the promise by far is the greatest gift to have ever been given. And probably the gift that was not on any first century Jewish person's list. Think about that. Christ was the greatest gift that no one had on their lists. I mean, really, if you go and you ask a first century Jewish person living in Palestine, you ask them and say, hey, what's on your Christmas list? What are you asking Santa for? And I know what you're thinking. St. Nicholas wasn't born until much later. Yeah, yeah, but get it. What's on your Christmas list? What are you asking Santa for? They would probably say something like this. Um, to be set free from the oppression that is Rome. To be set free, as a matter of fact, to have a leader that we can once again look towards for encouragement and for strength. A strong person comes from nobility, somebody who can lead. We, we need a Messiah who's going to turn this whole thing upside down. Not a, a baby that would be born in the manger, not someone born to a poor carpenter from Nazareth, not someone who would be born to a 14-year-old virgin, and certainly not Jesus. The greatest gift that was on nobody's list. I can tell you this, I don't think initially Jesus was on Joseph's list. True story. 
I mean, if you'd ask Joseph, Joseph, well, well, I know you're getting married here soon, Joseph. You're getting married to Mary. Tell me what you're going to do. What, what is it you would want to do? What, what would you put on your list for Santa, Joseph? He would have probably said, you know, a little extra money to make the addition on the back of my parents' house just a little bit bigger. You see, they didn't go out and buy their own houses. They, they built onto their parents' house, and they lived there with their spouse and families. That's what they did. Makes sense now when Jesus said to his disciples right before he left, he said, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's what? House. Because there are many rooms. So maybe, maybe, I don't know, I'd maybe ask Santa Claus for, for a little extra money to make my, my addition bigger on my parents' house. I don't know, maybe a nice vacation, a nice honeymoon. Somewhere we can go, like Acapulco or something like that. Because Joseph knew where Acapulco was at. Just for illustrative purposes. But what he didn't anticipate, and I guarantee you what was not on his list, was that his virgin fiance would become pregnant miraculously by God. Like, I don't think that was anywhere near Joseph's mindset. I don't think that on his list, I don't think he, he put, hey, you know what I would like? I would like to be whispered about while I'm walking through my hometown because clearly my wife is starting to show and clearly we haven't gotten married yet and clearly we haven't done the thing yet. So this is awkward. I'm pretty sure that's not on his list either. Joseph had been longing for Mary. Israel had been longing for freedom. You may be longing for something or someone, but can I just share with you in this season of Advent as we as we wait for as we anticipate the birth of our of our Messiah as we're longing for that, can I just encourage you with this? As much as you are longing for someone or something, God has been longing for you. God is the one that's been longing for you. If I were to ask you where the Christmas story begins, you would probably say what, church? Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. I know you would say that because you're students of the word. And I know you study your scripture. And I know if you're like me, every Christmas, it's the time where you open your Bible up and you read to your family the Christmas story. And if your kids are like mine, they're like, can we make this quick? You would say Luke chapter 1. And you would get to verse 30 and you would read and it says, do not be afraid, Mary. This is the angel appearing to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with who, church? God. In verse 31, it says, and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him what, church? Jesus. In verse 32, it says, and he will be very great and he will call, he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And technically, technically, you wouldn't be wrong. I think the majority of us would probably pick that as the beginning of where the Christmas story starts. But let me just tell you, I don't think the Christmas story starts in Luke chapter 1, verses, verses uh, 26 to 33. I, I believe the Christmas story starts much earlier than that. As a matter of fact, the Christmas story, the anticipation of the birth of our Messiah, goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And this is what it says. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, check it out. It says this, church. It says... 
It says, Then the Lord God said to the serpents, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. And you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as, as long as you live. Now watch, here it comes. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Watch, and it says, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is the Christmas story foretold all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. As a matter of fact, the only $10 seminary word that I remember is this one right here. It is the protoevangelium. Come on, proto-evangelium. It's the only word I know. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And the proto-evangelium is actually just the first mention of the good news or the gospel in the Bible. This is it. This is the Christmas story all the way back at the beginning. And what this story is revealing, and I love this, guys. I hope this is hitting you. I know you're thinking right now, but I hope this is hitting you like it hit me today, y'all. I was so excited I almost ran but decided not to because that was like cardio and I started sweating and I just wasn't, wasn't ready to do that yet. But here's, here's, I hope this hits it like it hit me. It says that this, the proto is the revealing of the heart of God from the beginning. This is the set in motion. This set in motion, the longing for salvation. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All of us, all of us like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Listen to me. All of us are like sheep gone astray. We have left on our own path. Right? Who left who? Church, who left who? Did God leave Adam and Eve? Or did Adam and Eve leave God? Who left who? It wasn't God leaving. God didn't pack up his bags and say, you know what? You had your chance. I'm moving out. This relationship isn't working really well. It's time to go. It was humanity that moved out. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, but God. We may have not had God on our Christmas list, but check it, church. He has had humanity on his. And he has had humanity on his Christmas list from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. I, I want you to write this down. I want you to read this. Actually, we'll start in verse 20. And this is a retelling of, of the story found in Luke chapter 1, but I want you to see something differently. In verse 20, it says, The Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, now, this is after Joseph had realized everything going on with Mary. And he was actually trying to figure out how to put her away without causing her shame. And the angel appears to, appears to him and says, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That would be the only way that I would have believed that. Anybody else? 
Verse 21 says, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Watch. For he will save his people from their what church? Sins. In verse 22, it says, and all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23 says this, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. Who is taking the lead in this story? Who is taking the lead in this story? It's God taking the lead in this story. It is God taking a lead in this story. We are the ones running from him, but he has always been the one running to us. Look what it said in verse 21. It said, in verse 21, it said, he will. You get it up there? It shouldn't say, it says, he will. Verse 21, mm, and he will. There it is. You see it? It says he what? Come on, church, he what? Oh, you got it big there. You went made it big for me. <laughs> he will save his people from their sins. Did you notice it didn't say he will try? He may. He'll work really hard. It said he what? Will. How many of you know if God says, I will do something, how many of you can take it to the bank, right? You can guarantee it. You can count on it. If I tell you I will do something, eh, you got a chance. But if it's God telling you he will do something, you can take it to the bank that it's going to happen. And it says he will save his people from their sins. Now watch. The next verse down. It says you will call he uh, it says and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is what with us. God is with us. There is more. This is more than God just being present in the flesh. That's incredible in and of itself. Right. That the fact that God stepped into a flesh suit, came down to the world and he appeared in flesh. That's incredible in and of itself. But this is bigger. Not only did God show up and be present in flesh, but this is God being forever present in humanity's DNA. Hear me. This is the incarnation. This is God putting on flesh forever. Do you know that there's not going to be a time in the future, in the future eternity, where God separates himself from the flesh of humanity? Come on, I want you to think about that. That means that from now on, humanity is interwoven into the divinity, and divinity is forever interwoven into humanity. This is the incarnation. God said, enough of you running. You won't be able to get away from me in the first place. You know why? Because I'm going to put on humanity, and then you're going to be stuck with me forever. From that first Christmas... Humanity has been included in the Godhead. And so what does this do for our self-perception? What does this do for us? This is, this is longing. We long to be fulfilled. We long to be 
completed. We long to have our needs met. But our longing doesn't even compare to the longing that God has for us. What does it do for our self-perception? What, for our self-perception, has more to do with our relationship with God than we realize? It does. We look at the, this, this baby boy born in the manger, and all of creation points, everything points to this one moment. And that one moment points back to you. I want you to think about that. You, you know, people would actually say, well, are you trying to say that you're, you're just as important as God? You're trying to make yourself as, most, as important as Jesus is. You're, you're trying to make, I don't have to try to make myself anything. God's done that. I'm not saying I am God. I am saying I am God's. Do you get it? I'm not saying I am God. I am saying I'm God's. One thing that frustrates me is when Christians and good and well-meaning brothers and sisters, man, good and well-meaning people, they say things like, well, you know the gospel isn't about you. This thing isn't about you. It's not a, about you. Jesus isn't about you. It's about Jesus. It's about God's glory. It's about this. It's about that. Do you know what the gospel is about? It is exactly what it's about. The gospel is exactly about you and about how no matter how much you think you have it figured out or how right you have it, no matter how many things you put on your Christmas list that you think is going to meet your needs, that the only one who is going to be able to satisfy you and fulfill you and make you complete has been longing for you from the beginning of creation and can't see himself doing eternity without you and so came into the flesh of, human, of humanity as a baby born in a manger. So that you guys can be together. The gospel isn't about you. The gospel is exactly about you. And not to pride, not that to give yourself a big head or to think of yourself more highly than you walk. You can't, first of all, I even hate that phrase. Don't think of yourself more highly than you all. Paul wrote that. That's a good piece of advice, right? But I'm going to promise you right now, you cannot think of yourself more highly than God already thinks about you. Well, you give people a big head if you keep talking about that. You'll make people feel they're more important than what they really are. Do, do you know, listen, I, I, this, I'm sorry I'm stuck on this because it's, it's an eye-opening moment, right? But who says that? Who says, like, don't tell people they're more important than what they're, don't, don't tell people they're more loved than what they realize. Don't tell people they're more valuable than what they realize. Don't tell people that. I would never do that to my, my kids or my wife. I would never look at my wife and say to her, hey, I would say I love you a lot, but I've already met my quota for the day, and I feel like if I say it too much, you might actually start believing it. What, what harm? What harm comes from trying to help people understand the intrinsic value that they have. I don't think there is. This is the idea. I'm almost done, guys. This is the idea. The gospel is exactly about you, and about a God who is madly in love with you. 
I know the gospel. Listen, the story of the gospel is Jesus. But Jesus was all about you because he's all about God and God is all about Jesus. Jesus is all about you. Therefore, God is all about you. Do you get it? The idea that we have to beat someone over the head to make sure that they understand that they're nothing special is garbage. And it's the very thing that got us in the mess in the first place. It's the very thing that set this whole path back, all the way back in the beginning. It's the very thing. Do you remember what was said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, when the serpent was talking to Eve? And she said, you, he said, you won't die, the serpent re- replied to the woman. And in verse 5, it says, for God knows that your eyes will be open as as soon as you eat and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The serpent's mission, the serpent's mission was to get Eve to doubt who she was in the first place. Surely you aren't really loved by God. You see, you don't get people to sin by telling them how loved they are. You can get people to sin by convincing them they're worse than what they are. This is what defers hope. This is what defers hope, and this is what makes us sick, forever trying but never succeeding. And this is why, church, our Christmas lists are full of things that never fully satisfy. So please understand, I'm not making excuses for reckless actions or bad behavior or dumb decisions. Lord knows I've made bad decisions, dumb decisions in the last 40 years of my life. Y'all know that's hard for me to say that, 40. It's hard. But I've done them. I've made them. I'm not making excuses for those things, but rather I'm pointing us back to the one born in the manger. Listen to me, church, who would later become our reckless actions, who would later become our bad behavior, and who would later take on our dumb decisions because he loves us that much. Listen, you were not, listen, you were not created to worship God. That's a hard statement. People are like, <gasps> people gasping right now. What do you mean I'm not created to worship God? That's what I've been told my whole life is I was created, and I was created to worship God because, after all, isn't that what we're going to do when we go to heaven after this whole thing is over with? We're going to worship forever and ever and ever. I'm created to worship God. You're not created to worship God. Hear me. You are created to be in a loving relationship with God, and it's when we understand that 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 God, that understand that is when worship becomes the byproduct. You're created to be in relationship, and worship is always the byproduct. See, our longing, our longing for identity is fulfilled when we know we are identified with him. So let me encourage you as we wrap right now. This week, as you look over your Christmas list, because you have them, they might not be mental. I mean, it might not be physical, but they're mental. Or you can go back over your posts on social media, and you can kind of collect and gather what's on your Christmas list. But let me encourage you this week to look over your Christmas list and ask this question, does any of this come back 
to my sense of identity? Is it going to leave me longing or being fulfilled? Is it a hope to be loved or is it a hope for security or is it a hope for provision or is it a hope for whatever? That hope is only going to be fulfilled in Christ. Next week, uh, Pastor Kim is actually going to be preaching and, uh, and it's going to be a very powerful, powerful message. So you definitely don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. And she's going to conclude. It's only a two-week series. She's going to conclude, conclude our series. Let me encourage you with that. What's on your list, guys? What's on your list? Do me a favor. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes right where you're at, and let me pray for you as we wrap up our service. Father God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness, and I pray for every person that's in this room, God, that, Lord, as we, as we continue to survey this time, this Advent season, as we continue to survey this time, between now and, and the night that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord, that we would be reminded of just how valuable we are to you. Lord, we would be reminded that you have longed for us from the very beginning, that you desire a relationship with us. Father, we thank you for that. I pray for peace right now over every person who is watching online right now. And I pray peace over every person who is in the house tonight, right now. That, Lord, as we go throughout the rest of our evening, through the rest of our evening, Lord, that we would just rest in your peace. And as we go to sleep tonight, Lord, we would sleep peacefully. That we would wake up tomorrow refreshed in your love and your grace. Father, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Again, thank you so much for coming out and hanging out with us tonight in person. And thank you so much for tuning in online tonight as well. Don't forget, you can connect with us uh, by going over to the, the journeychurch.cc forward slash connect. And you can also give if you'd like to as well um, over at thejourneychurch.cc forward slash give. Or I believe you can do it inside uh, the church online platform. Click the link there as well. So guys, we will see you again next Saturday at 630. Be blessed and enjoy your week.